See this podcast starting like this. The drums come in and you know what's happening. It's like bum, 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 like a big lumbering thing coming to the ring, like a mastodon. Bum, 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 bum. This two-part piece of shit just coming at you full force. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time. It is about four sixteen p.m. and <laughs> this is Ten Bell Pod where we discuss the life of pro wrestlers. I'm Nick Alexander, and I'm a big fat piece of shit. Beside me, someone who for now has both eyes lodged safely in his face, Michael Loving. I'm a very kind of in shape piece of shit. And of course, we're in the Manning Cave, and I bring to you from the power of the cornfields in Preston, Iowa, the man scout they call Jake Manning. The Mastodon, my friends, <laughs> and I am most certainly not a piece of shit because I'm not Vader. <laughs> oh, we're starting already. Right. Uh, let, let's start by prefacing this entire probably series of podcasts that I am the man who's been trying to get the hashtag fuck Vader over <laughs> for like five years. So on, on the other podcast, on the other channel, if you will, <laughs> how did this get booked? At almost the point that fans have jumped in and and tweeted at me hashtag fuck Vader and I see that as like a rallying cry like I'm starting a revolt or some sort of revolution. You are the Che Guevara of Yes, and that, that would be my rally cry. Free healthcare and hashtag fuck Vader. <laughs> 2020! Universal basic income and hashtag fuck Vader. So if you can't tell already this episode is going to be me 12 angry menning Jake to convince him that Vader isn't that bad of a guy. We'll see. That's, this is why when Vader passed, there was discussion between all three of us, like, we should do Vader. And I go, no, why don't we wait? <laughs> so I can cool off. Because, exactly. Because this, there will be parts of this that will not be fun. If, if, if I offended you because of that, I, I understand how you'd be upset but I feel that I'm coming from a position of a man who has interacted with Vader, seen him treat my friends with disrespect, and seen him treat fans with disrespect. So uh, that is where I am coming from as we go through the entire career of Vader. I will try not to make this much like the unreleased podcast that we had one time where it just turned into <laughs> one one member of this podcast team just going, fuck them! <laughs> <laughs> and then not engaging in a conversation. I will try my best to not make this an unreleased episode and I will be as fair when I need to be fair but when I need to drop the hammer or drop the Vader bomb if you will oh, with a Vader gloves on because <laughs> so we all stinky, know because we all know that's when I'm at my most dangerous is when I have my Vader gloves on <laughs> and this this is the divide on Vader this is the Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde that was Vader that Jake Manning is a professional wrestler 
and I am allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> let's start with you. Let's just get comfortable using allegedly in this podcast. So uh, Jake Manning, allegedly is a professional my name wrestler. Even Micah. <laughs> so fans are like, oh God, we love Vader. We we this is gonna run throughout the whole next two episodes that we're gonna do on Vader. Fans love Vader. He was awesome. He was crazy aggressive, and then the pro wrestlers who had to deal with his shit. Not so much. Mm-hmm. Before we jump in, let's talk about our sources. Aside from our memories, our perhaps bad experiences, our uh, Googling, YouTubing, searching the stickiest parts of the internet, uh, a lot of this info comes from Vader's Hannibal shoot, which is a much older, much more chilled out Vader, and Vader's 2000-ish RF video shoot. RF video. I hope this shoot interview doesn't get in the way of all this background noise we're trying to record. <laughs> That's my favorite joke yet. So here we go. Leon White. Old Leon. Even though he was a baby at the time we were discussing, I, I, you must refer to him as Old Leon. <laughs> old Leon was born May 14th. 1955 in Linwood, California. He was an 11-pound, 10-ounce baby who had to be born two months early because he was so big. And as Leon put it, he he was bragging right out of the vagina. He said, I could have been a record baby if you give me the full term. I could have been a record baby. Um, Leon grew up in Compton like a rapper. They were the White family in South Central L.A. and also the White family in South Central L.A. Leon's father was in the U.S. Navy, and apparently he invented the electric hoist probably to lift his fat fucking baby. Oh. His- are you? Whose side are you yeah. on? I thought. I was like, wait. I, wait are wait, you wait. doing Jake bits? <laughs> wait a minute. Did, did, are you, that's, is that my script that you're reading? <laughs> I, I, I have my outline right here. <laughs> so his dad sold this invention making the family a little bit of money, which made it possible for them to move straight out of Compton, first to Anaheim, and then to settle down in Bell, California. Oh, so Vader was a rich kid. Oh, that's going <laughs> to endear him so much more to me. There, Leon attended Bell High School, and at Bell High School, he competed in shot put, common ground, Jake Manning. <laughs> uh, he also wrestled, and he played football. <laughs> Oh, did he talk about how he could have been going to the Olympics in shot putting? Yeah. I'm sure he he would probably say that. I know someone in my family actually went to the Olympics in shot putting. But Vader, I guess you could just talk about going to the Olympics in shot putting, and that's good enough <laughs> in old Leon's world. All right, this is going to be a three-parter. <laughs> Leon was good enough at the foosball that he was recruited to play offensive line by over 40 D1 schools and eventually chose the University of Colorado, who back in the day was a powerhouse at football there leon was a all-american and he'd even win a big eight championship he was so good on the o-line that he was projected to go in the first round of the 78 nfl draft but a few weeks before the draft he ruptured his patellar tendon with teams knowing that vader would have to spend his entire rookie year sitting out he was still drafted in the third round 80th overall by his home team the la rams what uh? What's your source on the fact that he was going to be in the first round? <laughs> Vader. It's fucking Vader. No, That's no, what I thought. No, okay. No, All right. No, just why? I just want. I want to be no, clear. No, I, we need to go further. If you listen to him, he was going to go first or second or third in the fucking draft. Okay. 
very first, second, or third. He was a lottery but, pick. But I said, and that's what I structured it this way to say that even though he was no, no, terribly it, hurt, they it, still no, dropped no, no, it's it. True. I mean, that is a big deal. Okay, he got terribly hurt, respect. and he still got third round. I'll give him respect there. Yeah, yeah, but I, mean, I, I would love to see his Mel Kiper report. That's all I want to <laughs> say. But uh, it, it is the first in a long line of Vader being like, man, I'm pretty fucking cool. After making first-team all-injury reserve his rookie year, Vader's second year would lead to him playing in Super Bowl fourteen, losing to Terry Bradshaw and the Pittsburgh Steelers. What you just said is total bullshit. What do you mean? I did all the research. I looked up everything. If you go to NFL.com, if you go to Pro Football Reference, you look up the roster on that Super Bowl. You look up the Rams. You look up starters. You look up reserves. You look up the list of the players that did not play no Leon White. No Leon White. No Lee Allen. No Allen. I like everything I had. The, Jake is doing a oh, home alone oh, moment. Oh. He's like, what? What? You, you mean that Leon White, Vader, stretched the truth? But it's so crazy. If you look up every Vader article about his death or anything, ESPN, they will credit him. Like maybe he was on a written roster. Maybe he was still like written, but he was not listed on the roster. As a substitute, as a starter, is anything for the Super Bowl. Look up anything you want. I, I When he said that, it's like when you hear a little bit of bullshit from someone and then you're like, what about this other stuff he's saying? You look it up, there is no Leon White. You can't find stats on him anywhere. This is the thing where maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no, I think you're absolutely right. But I'm saying anyone out there that knows more than me, show me the, uh, the hardcore facts that he had so-and-so because, I mean, he was like a center, so it's like pancake blocks or whatever. You know, there's not many stats for offensive linemen. I mean, he could, but, have, been, he could have been on the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, he, he could, could have. There, there could have been a practice squad. Like, like they might not have kept record of practice squad. I mean, and he's still yeah. part of the, still a valuable member part of the team. No, it's, So, I, I, I... Look at Jake. I, I will <laughs> give you that. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not involved in the organization whatsoever. No, I don't believe that. I, I agree with you 100%. But, but, but as far as... The whole as, Super Bowl urban legend shit everything i looked up there is no evidence to support it okay i'm saying it's bullshit right now literally fuck you (laughs) in vader's fourth year in the nfl he re-ruptured his patellar tendon ending his legendary all-time great football career Hey, he made it in the NFL. You got to give him that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, he was, he was there. He, 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 nice was, he, was, he was on the lot, as they say. Yeah, yeah. On a, one message board, like, hardcore, deep, wrestling nerd stuff, there's, like, apparently in the original broadcast, you could see him on the sidelines. Uh, that seems like just shit people say to yeah. say it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone send me evidence. I would honestly love to be surprised. Is it a Mandela effect? I mean, uh, totally. It, you know, where like, you know, was Leon White on the sideline for the Super Bowl? And is it Baron Sting or Baron Stain Bears? <laughs> I do like your theory that he was on the practice squad. When you win an NFC championship or an AFC championship or a Super Bowl, everyone gets a ring. Practice squad, the front office, I don't know, anyone in that organization. So he has a ring. So maybe it was on the practice squad. It, it's still crazy, though, because even, like, in the shoot interviews, they say, it's like, so you played in the Super Bowl, and he was like, yeah, blah, 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 but he doesn't give details. He's very yeah. generalized, and it's just, I smell a lot of bullshit, and it feels like a lot of bullshit yeah. when I did the research. Oh, thank you very much for doing the research, F. Lee Bailey. I appreciate your help in this case. <laughs> After becoming the Ryan Khalil of his time, Leon would leave the NFL. He got into real estate. Imagine those billboards. 
<laughs> but uh, he soon got bored of work, so after being introduced to the Ganya family at a show, Leon decided to try wrestling. Apparently, AWA would sometimes run shows down in, you know, Denver and Colorado. So Vader wasn't like driving up to Minnesota just to, you know, see wrestling shows. The story goes that after his initial introduction to, I believe it was Greg Gagne, Vader went to an AWA show and just waltzed into the AWA locker room and said he wanted a job, which I think still today... If a non-wrestler wandered into the locker room, they would not leave very happy. But this was the 80s. He's lucky he wasn't immediately beaten to death, especially since that locker room had Bruiser Brody in it. Well, fun fact. That's actually how Charlotte Flair got her job. Wow, wow, really? She was, I believe, like the Hall of Fame, looked right at uh, Triple H, and was like, hey, when are you guys going to hire me? <laughs> and they hired her, and it worked out. Yeah, she is. That's like my mom always said, it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> Leon ended up being trained by Brad Riggins, who was an AWA wrestler as well as an Olympian wrestler. Leon said he showed up to train, and he was just going to like throw Brad around, show him what he's made of. And like the dad from F is for Family, uh, the 5'8", 240-pound Brad put the 6'4", 350-pound Leon literally through a fucking wall. It, it's amazing when you learn that technique beats strength. Yeah, yeah. I remember that from the little short amount of MMA I did. <laughs> Being the teacher, had his son was like fucking 15. And this was like me and my, my prime. I was like in the weight room every day, you know, 6'2", 225. And he tossed me around like I was a piece of shit. Yeah, ragdoll. It was he was like a brown belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just I couldn't I could do nothing to him. Yeah, like man. I could have had a gun and he just would have fucking <laughs> submitted me somehow using the gun. Like without bullets. He would have unloaded yeah. the bullets and then made you submit. It was it was nuts. But, How technique just wins. But not just to discredit, you know, like, oh Brad just knew his stuff. No, Brad Raggins was a tough right, SOB. Right. Like he he trained a lot of those guys that came through towards the end there in AWA. He was a liaison to New Japan Wrestling. He was a very well respected amateur wrestler. Well, I think he qualified for the Olympics the year that the U.S. team boycotted in, oh, in Moscow. I believe 1980 oh. was the year he qualified, which was also the year that my uncle qualified as well you know my uncle actually did go to the olympics <laughs> in shot putting not just said he okay, could have like, unlike uh, vader uh, so just to remind you so using his awa connections vader got his first wrestling work wrestling as baby bull and bull power for Vern Gagne. baby bull being a old football nickname if i can explain awa Vader, imagine if instead of diddling himself in front of people and doing stand-up comedy, Louis C.K. wrestled in Minnesota. And just like Louis C.K., Vader soon earned a reputation of being too stiff for people. Okay, uh... Let's uh, appreciate <laughs> this too stiff part of that joke. That was well-written. Uh, oh, that, that, I didn't even pick it up. Oh, I, I, I no, you need to pick that up. Put it over your shoulder, carry thing. it a mile, God. pick up some water with it, and then walk it back. But but it's it's so true. You look at him there, and he's like, oh, God, it's Louie. Another thing to point out here is that Vader is breaking into the wrestling business around 29 or 30 years old, which is pretty old to decide you want to be a professional at something new. So... 
You know, that's good, right? <laughs> oh, good. So he's just like all those millions of guys that are like, you know what, DDP was a real inspiration. <laughs> and they are like the worst guys at training and they like afraid to like bump. And rightfully so, you're a 47-year-old guy. <laughs> you're a 47-year-old man. What are you doing doing wrestling training? Just appreciate it. You know, or just be a referee or promote a show. Working with managing, right? Yeah, I mean, or, yeah, or do, there's all a multitude of things. Don't be like, you know, DDP is my real inspiration <laughs> and I want to start wrestling at 47 years old. Since Vader was so physically enormous, he was able to pretty much climb up the card fast. And in 85, Vader had his first matches against Bruiser Brody, oh, which explains why he would learn to work so stiff because sometimes Bruiser would show up to work and decide, fuck it, wrestling's real today. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, and that's where you learn how to be a bully. Because uh. as, as much as I love Bruiser Brody and I respect him as far as being an original and kind of that last outlaw, that yeah. last renegade of professional wrestling... He does have a reputation for being a bully. But and Jake, everybody's, some people are listening. It's like, you're just a snowflake, man. That's how it was back then. That's I mean, don't get me wrong. I've gone through my bullies. I, I definitely have. And I've been a bully myself. But I've decided not to continue the cycle on any it further. It hasn't been your entire fucking career. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and and then the, the towards the end of my career, I have become nicer because I've been more appreciative of the things that I get as opposed to being bitter and angry. Thus, I have stopped the, the bully behavior that I have, and I have come around and made amends and done everything I can to open doors and give back to people to uh, something that has given me so much. Which is the opposite of the topic of discussion today. <laughs> so at AWA, Leon was able to learn and grow, and Leon Baby Bull White would even get a shot at Stan Hansen's championship, and that is someone he will forever be linked to, as you'll see. In May of 86, Otto Vance plucked Vader out of AWA to wrestle for his promotion, Catch Wrestling Association, and there he toured Austria and Germany using the name Bull Power. March 22nd, 1987, he won his first championship, the Catch Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship, ending Otto Vance's almost nine-year title run. Back in his own home of Denver, Colorado, he held the title for about four months before losing it back to Otto in Austria. Just to remind everybody, this is the organization where they booked everything, kind of like a boxing match where there was rounds, you got dropped, there was a 10 count, it was, it was very unusual, but it, it, it was something interesting. It was also where they did those tournaments where you hear a lot of the guys talk about they would go over for Germany or Austria and they go over for the tournaments. And then you just be wrestling all of these matches over a long period of time. It was always good money. It was always like a, like this nice trip. You slept in a caravan. You were wrestling every night and you really learned how to wrestle. Vader would trade the title with Otto a few times before Vance retired, leaving the title vacant. Then Bull Power would win a tournament, making him a three-time champion before dropping the belt and leaving for Japan. Now, Japan is a serious crossroads for Vader because he was originally supposed to go work for Giant Baba in All Japan. New Japan and All Japan got in a bit of a bidding war over him, and Inoki finally convinced Baba that he already had Bruiser and Hansen, and he paid to get Vader. Anoki needed Leon because he already had a gimmick lined up for him to go. A warrior from Japanese folklore, Big Van Vader. Apparently, Sid and Ultimate Warrior were considered for this gimmick. 
but Vader's so Vader. I can't imagine anyone else being Vader. December 27th, 1987, Vader would debut facing the legendary Antonio Inoki. After some punches, a tree of woe, a football shoulder tackle, and a power slam, Vader beat Inoki in 2 minutes and 49 seconds. This would be like if when Jericho jumped ship from WCW, he showed up on Raw, walked in, and just clean pin squashed Austin and Rock in their primes. It was nuts. Well, and that was always the thing with Inoki. He had a, a long history of you bring in a monster, you feed him to Inoki, and Inoki beats him. And there's always this feeding him different monsters and with different incarnations and different things with different le- levels of success. There's that like great Andre was like yeah Andre was perfect right? for that. And also there's that uh, one with the great Antonio where he gets his, that infamous shoot fight. That infamous yeah, oh God, where Anoki so just beats the crap out of this guy <laughs> and doesn't care anymore. But they would bring in like different people all the time. And Anoki would always conquer over the monsters, which just solidified the folklore of Antonio Anoki. So the fact that you're bringing in Vader and Vader is squashing the conquering hero is a big deal. You can hear the audience gasp. Like the three count. And it's one of those things like, did that just happen? Like, did, 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 did Vader just pin Anoki right there? Speaking of the Japanese audience, who is usually so polite and quiet at shows that it is distracting, they literally rioted. So suck on that, ECW. They set their seat cushions on fire, throwing them into the ring at Vader, which got New Japan banned from Sumo Hall for a few years. In the video, you kind of see ideas of this, but it doesn't really happen. I heard a lot of stuff happen in the in the hallways and stuff. Just another uh, a sidebar that I found very interesting. Uh, Vader was brought in by a manager, Beat Takashi, who created a uh, stable with Masa Saito. And Beat Takeshi, you might remember him as one of the hosts from Most Extreme Challenge on Spike TV. He was also one of the most esteemed actors, movie directors, comedians, artists, renaissance men in all of fucking Asia. When I learned that B. Takeshi had a, a part in Vader's history, I was like, of course he did, because that man is involved in fucking everything. Vader was originally billed in some press releases as Big Ben Bader. <laughs> <laughs> and probably still listed as such an RF video <laughs> match listings today. RF video. Did you turn off your cell phone? Well, turn it back on. All right. Um, so Vader. I need more RF video jokes. They, they make me so mad. I love them, but they make me so mad. So Vader was given this giant badass helmet molded in the shape of a mastodon that blew smoke, technically making Vader the inventor of vaping. I did a little research on this. I was digging deep. I don't know if Jake knows. There is a commenter on the Wrestling Classics message board. It goes by the name Sharms, who's Steve Harms. He worked with WCCW back in the day. Apparently worked with like post-production, maybe voiceover stuff. This is the story that Steve has an in-depth about Vader's Mastodon helmet. Here's the story on the mask. The one that Leon used in Japan was mechanically based on the metric system. In order to use it in the States, it would have to have been necessary to have a separate set of tools to do the interior adjustments. So Leon received permission to duplicate the mask at his own expense with the U.S. measurements. He did that, but it was a difficult process. The mask needed someone to trigger the smoke 
In Japan, it was usually a wrestler named, I think, Big Cat. Leon, who I knew from his AWA days as Bullpower, called and asked if I could be available on weekends to operate the mask in WCW. I was paid $350 a night and the rental car, which had to be a van to transport the mask and its case. The smoke, CO2 gas shot from two small canisters, was triggered by a remote control. It was a fucking nightmare. We couldn't fly with loaded canisters, so in each town we had to find a place to fill them. (laughs) Companies that supplied CO2 usually didn't have the equipment to fill the small canisters. So we usually just started going to the local Pepsi or Coke bottling plants to get it done. While Leon got ready for his match, I would test the gimmick and make sure the remote was working. When it was Leon's time to go, I made my way to the ringside area with the remote beneath my jacket, hidden, or whatever. He'd do his thing, and at the right time, I'd set it off. He'd walk around with it for a minute, scream at the crowd, you know the angle, then hand it to me. I'd take it backstage, pack it up, and wait for Leon, and off we'd go to the next town. I did this over the course of about six months. Eventually, I found out it was taking up too much time, and while the money was a nice bonus, it wasn't enough to make me want to stay out there. They tried to use different guys on the gimmick, but the logistics still had to be taken care of. Maintenance and finding the CO2 canisters was a pain. They tried some different options. Klondike Bill, head of the WCW ring crew, tried it, but he couldn't get it to work. So they eventually stopped using the smoke, but still used the mask. Leon didn't want to deal with the mask by himself, so that was the end of it. I know Leon has slash had a reputation, but I traveled with him, drove the van with him, most meals together, and can say that he was always a gentleman and fun to be with. Like all wrestlers, his professional mindset was based on insecurity and sometimes the pressure of maintaining his position in two or three promotions at once, at once, which was too much. Yeah, Jake, this guy with the fucking mask says he's a good guy. <laughs> so after the whole Anoki thing, Vader spent a lot of time tagging with Masa Saito, breaking off once in a while for singles matches and having a feud with Ricky Choshu. But on April 24th, 1989, Vader would enter an eight-man tournament for the vacant IWGP title, winning the tournament, becoming the first Gaijin, or Peckerwood, to hold the title. Oh. One month later, May 25th, Vader lost the title to Russian Salman Hashemikov. Salman Hashemikov. Hashemikov. Some fucking Russian. He would drop the belt to Chosu. And in July, which led to Vader beating Choshu and August, making him a two-time IWGP champion. So before we get into our next match, I have to give the first ever 10 Bell Pod trigger warning. And it's not for any of our listeners. It's not so some PC extremist doesn't suicide bomb my career. (laughs) It is for our very own, (laughs) our tender, our loving... Jake Manning, because I know that Jake is super grossed out by eye stuff, and we're about to talk about eye stuff. Ooh, eye stuff. Mm-hmm. I have an issue. I've never been able to wear contacts. I, I actually I wore contacts for two weeks. It was awful. It was horrible. I just I can't. Do you any... know the origin story of this? Like, is there a weird childhood I, something? Oh, do you like touching your eyeballs? <laughs> I feel like you should never touch your eyeballs. I do, like I've had stop. No, no, don't don't pick your no, eye. I don't talk about you, stuff. Well, you you your finger went towards your eye, and I'm <laughs> just no, none of that. But but serious question. There's nothing that like 
first weird old memory that made you go, hmm. Other than the fact that I'm a human being and I don't think things should be jammed in my eye and I want to like continue to see. I'm not going to give a good answer. This is a snake argument all over again. (laughs) Imagine like a snake with a big fucking eye staring at Jake. (laughs) I'm shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. He's just shaking his head because his anger can't do anything else. I had to... verbally tell you I was shaking my head so you let you know how angry that I am that I cannot even express words in that moment until I just, just have this right funny now. image of like a, a python with one of those googly eyes that just kind of shake around okay Jake's done with this bit um, right. I'm over here now I'm over here let me do a radio bit where I walk out the door I'll do that and actually do it not a bit so on February 10th, 1990, Vader faced Stan Hansen at an All Japan versus New Japan Supercard show. And Stan Hansen would break Vader's whole face. Mm-hmm. Like all the places in which a face can be broken, Stan Hansen broke them. Before the match, Vader comes down in his sweet-ass Vader helmet. Stan Hansen, being blind as fuck, swings his bull rope at him, accidentally hitting the mask, breaking Vader's nose before he ever stepped into the ring. Blind-ass Stan has no clue he did this, but Vader is obviously pretty pissed off. He hops into the ring and starts legit beating the shit out of Stan. And I'm sure Stan is like, whoa, this little shit is shooting on me. Especially with the whole New Japan, All Japan rivalry. For all he knows, the fucking Akuza put a hit out on him. (laughs) So Stan, being a grown-ass man, starts swinging back at Vader. So these two giants are just beating the hell out of each other. Until Stan thumbs Vader in his eye, causing the eye to pop out of its socket. So Vader at the time wore this, like, lucha mask. He pulls it off, and his eye's just a-dangling. He pushes it back in, which swells his eyes shut. And these two psychopaths just finish the match anyways. What did, uh, I give it to Stan, like, he's still a brute, but he doesn't... Like, he still beats the shit out of Vader, but he doesn't, like, attack it. Like, hey, there's an injury. I should sell it for the crowd. Like, he doesn't go towards it. So I give Stan that. But, yeah, Vader talks about how his eyes swelled so much that it held the eye in place Uh. even though it was out. So... Thank God for our bodies swelling up. You doing okay over there, Jake? Yeah, I'm all right. Jake Jake doesn't have to comment on this. It's fine. He's just recuperating. They're, They're in the corner, and they're beating the shit out of each other, and you're waiting for that moment of the eye pop. And then it... Like, there's a weird edit in every video clip I found. And then Vader, like, has Hanson in a weird arm bar. And then he gets up and he's like, oh, shit. And then uh, uh, he takes it off in the crowd. Just the collective 50,000 people that go, oh. It's so gross. <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. And you, it's, it's just like, that is not how an eye is supposed to look. But you don't really see the moment. And there's a, I don't know why they cut. That's. I mean, it makes me... I don't know. It's weird, but goddamn. Vader and Stan eventually fight up towards the entrance way, uh, and the match ends in a double countout. After the match, Vader would have to have all the surgeries to more or less have his entire face replaced with metal, rendering his new metal helmet redundant. He is a cyborg. Not long after the Stan Hansen match the by god blue chipper all american out of the university of colorado calls up jim ross and he starts doing sporadic shots for wcw how that conversation go where he's like my name is leon i used to play football god damn kid yep. you're hired sold. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Vader's first match for old Teddy was 1990's Great American Bash when the 399 pound Vader flew a plane all the way from parts unknown to squash the Z-Man whose superpower is ending the alphabet. Give it up to Z-Man for uh, being the squash match on Vader's first match in WCW. And Rick Rude's Halloween Phantoms. Uh, Z-Man's always like, hey, you debuting, you pretty badass in a different organization? I got you. <laughs> I got you, <laughs> bro. Me, pay me, Hey, if you down for a bisexual three-way, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Vader's next WCW match would be February of 91 at Wrestle War, where he'd face Stan Hansen in an actual worked match, ending in a double DQ. This is It's only six minutes, but the highlight is Dusty and JR on commentary and when Hanson and Vader go outside and start beating the shit out of each other they do it all in the vicinity of Dusty and JR and JR is legitimately losing his shit Dusty Dusty's doing bits so he's like oh they knocked over my cavossier I mean my water <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's a good quick six minute brawl Vader's next WCW match wouldn't be until 91's Halloween Havoc, where he was part of the Godforsaken Chamber of Horrors match, where they <laughs> murdered a man. The debut of the referee cam. <laughs> one of the worst gimmicks, I think. I don't know, ever. I'm stressing ever. Uh, and then I forgot that for the finish, when Abdullah gets put in the electric chair, Rick Steiner belly-to-belly suplexes him into the chair. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, I thought he was just setting him in there. He was belly-to-belly. Uh, oh, JR okay. calls it. He said, he belly-to-belly him into the chair. Uh, and, then, and then he put the plastic that's uh, in the inside of, like, plastic baseball uh, helmets uh, that you get at the Miley Base. In the head of league baseball parks, and they put well, that on him, and that's how he got electrocuted. He's been putting uh, plastic on his hair. Uh, another great line from this is JR going, Rick Steiner's got that chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> to end Vader's kind of random run of WCW matches, Vader would be part of 91 Starcade's Lethal Lottery Battle Bowl. Oh, my fuck. So for this pay-per-view, you were chosen randomly to be part of a tag team match where if you won... You would be part of a two-ring battle royal where you had to throw everyone into ring number two. Then in ring number two, throw everyone to the floor. Then the winner of ring number two would face the last man standing from ring number one, WCW. It is the dumbest fucking battle royal gimmick I think I've ever seen. You guys laugh, but you guys won't be laughing when people love it when it's on AEW. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Because I think it's is it one of the trademarks that Cody just purchased? Oh, was it? I, I don't. Got, I don't know. I'm just. I'm speculating. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm speculating. Sense. I know he got bash at the beach. He got bunk, He got the bunkhouse bunk yeah. stampede. Yeah, which I I did like that he clarified. He goes, "I'm not doing this so I can do these. I'm just buying this the up names. to buy my dad's work." Yeah, that's and, and that I appreciate. no no. I, uh, give it up to Cody. Vader and Mr. Hughes would qualify for the actual Battle Bowl. In the Battle Royal, Vader would be eliminated by a double clothesline from Steamboat and Sting before Sting wins the whole damn thing. Back over in Japan, January 91, Vader would have his last run as IWGP champion, beating Tatsumi Fujinami before Vader lost it back to Fujinami March 4th. In 92, Vader and Crusher, Bam Bam Bigelow, would get a run with the IWGP Tag Team Championships. And they were such an awesome tag team. We kind of talked about this in Bam Bam's episode. Just two monsters that could move and work, and they were good. 
Uh, you mean one monster that can move and work? <laughs> uh, one monster that could just move? <laughs> I, I'm going to step in and say they both could work. Uh, the Steiner Brothers match good. Uh, the Saito matches. But yeah, Bam Bam is definitely more agile. I will. No, no, I was talking about the working aspect, like taking no, 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 care no, no, of I guys. I agree, I agree. I'm still going to defend a little bit. Okay. It's, but it's, but it, not enough to make you mad. It's It's been... You know, seven or eight minutes that's since true, I've true. I've had that's a, a dig at old that's Leon right now. I kind of got slowed down with all that eye talk earlier, I mean, but no. I'm back in. I'm back in. So in June of '92, Vader and Bam Bam dropped the tag belts to the Steiners as Vader needed time off for a knee injury, and that led to a dispute with the New Japan front offices, which led to Vader leaving to primarily focus on WCW. After leaving Japan and joining WCW full-time, 92 would be kind of a breakout year for Vader in America. You know who else had a breakout year in America in 1992? Billy Ray Cyrus with Icky Breaky Heart. Oh, my God. I will find the picture. Um, There is a moment, and I think it's a Sting-Vader match, where there's a young girl, probably about 12 years old. She is cheering. I think she's holding the Sting sign, and she is throwing her arms up, and she has a Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> achy, breaky heart shirt on, and I actually marked it down to get a picture of that. So the fact you're mentioning that right now that is very creepy. It's weird. So Vader was managed by Harley Race, who Vader liked and respected. Harley taught him a lot on the road together, and I think Harley is such an awesome manager. But I love when the old school guys manage because kayfabe is like so beaten into them that their reactions to stuff are so genuine and like really good i was too seeing like harley running and take a backdrop for like no reason yeah. other than just for harley wanted to take a bump that, is it, the it, best it, thing it, ever when i was watching all this stuff it was just like it wouldn't just one big bump during a match like harley was just bumping his ass the whole time it's the only thing that makes vader's matches watchable for me <laughs> wow okay because I know I'm going to get to see Harley Race just bumping like a fool because I know this Joker ain't. And he knew where the, he also knew where the camera was and the mic, and he would just scream stuff to make the, the yeah. commentators put it over even more. He was good at that, too. Mm-hmm. Vader would spend the bulk of his first year in WCW feuding with Sting over the World Heavyweight Championship. They'd start doing house shows. Eventually, they'd meet up at the 92 Great American Bash, which is a good match. After Sting cracks his noggin on the ring post, Vader powerbombs him and wins his first ever WCW championship. The pain game has been taught. The lesson has been learned. (laughs) I don't know what's more impressive, Vader squashing Inoki or Vader getting a clean pin over early 90s WCW Sting. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. This would be a very short title reign for Vader as his lingering knee injury from Japan would force him out of action and on August 2nd, 1992, Vader would face Ron Simmons at a house show in Baltimore, Maryland. And after Ron power slammed him, he beat Vader, becoming the first ever African-American heavyweight champion. And that making it the only decent thing that Vader <laughs> ever did in his entire career. If anyone wants to go back and watch this match, watch for the black dude probably three or four rows back when Ron Simmons hits the power slam before there's even a count. He gets up from his seat and runs to the fucking front row. <laughs> he knows what that power slam means. And to watch him go through the one, two, three, this dude loses his fucking mind. He jumps up. He braces on the guardrail and does a split in midair. He is so happy. 
and representation matters. <laughs> he is he's through the roof. It's 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 beautiful. It's like when you see little girls dressed as Bailey yeah. at WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. and they're sitting front row and they're just weeping. Like that I mean, that's the perfect example. When, when I rewatched it, it was just like all the, the being heavy in movies and movie theater shit. It was just all the kids that dressed up for Black Panther stuff and they're like, Fuck yeah. yeah. And it it was just the dude is over the moon. So in September, Vader got knee surgery, and he wouldn't return until 92's Halloween Havoc. That Halloween Havoc, Vader would defend the United States Championship against Nikita Koloff. And if you're like, hey, when did Vader win the U.S. title? He didn't. Rick Rude was champion, but he had a match that night for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, and he didn't want to wrestle twice. So he got his lawyers to threaten legal action on WCW, <laughs> allowing him to have a surrogate on his behalf. And carrying that U.S. title baby to term would be Vader. i just like to point out at the beginning of the match that uh, JR spouts off about how Vader has a Super Bowl ring. And then the co-commentator, Jesse Ventura, questions him. is like, I don't think the Rams ever won a Super Bowl. And the JR was like, well, if you'd call him a loser, maybe so. And then and then Jesse pushes the issue. It's like, well, I just don't think they did it. And it gets brushed off. But I'd just like to point out that no matter when, Jesse is always a truth speaker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? 2020. Right, I, I, let me tell you how Jesse said it. I was, I was about to ask. I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> For this match, a clean-shaven Rick Rude walks his belt out to the ring with Vader. A clean-shaven Rick Rude. Jake, why would God allow this to happen? I I don't know. I mean, We all face tragedies and struggles <laughs> in our life, and... Sometimes you get evidence in your mustache that you just got to get rid of the whole thing. <laughs> I got, I need to get rid of whatever DNA is in here immediately so, or else I'm going to lose my kids. <laughs> Before the match, head official Ole Anderson, without a doubt, says a lot of racist stuff and then bans <laughs> Rick Rude and Harley Race from ringside. Vader and Nikita have a very good, very physical non-DQ match after Vader powerbomb, Vader defends Rick Rude's U.S. title. Now, the internet says that Vader ended Nikita Koloff's career in this match. However, you jabroni marks don't know a work when you work a work, work yourself to a shoot. <laughs> Vader says there is no way he hurt Koloff, and he just wanted to collect on his Lloyds of London insurance policy. In Nikita's shoot, he says that sure... He tweaked his neck in the match with Vader, but Nikita's neck always hurt him. Doctors told him at 33 that he had the neck of a 55-year-old man. They told him he was at a risk of serious and permanent injury if he kept wrestling. Not only that, but Volkov also had a hernia from lifting Vader, and for those reasons, he retired collecting that sweet-ass Lloyds of London money. So Vader caused the retirement. Nikita Koloff. No. You're arguing with that man? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Uh, Real quick, I just want to point out a a pet peeve of mine that I have in wrestling. There's a particular spot where uh, Vader does his second turnbuckle splash. Hits Nikita. Nikita kicks out of the second turnbuckle splash. JR loses his shit on Nikita. I've never seen anybody kick out of that. I've never seen anybody kick out of that. And this pet peeve was born with Tony Schiavone in the late 90s on Nitro. Don't when, you sass mouth Tony Schiavone. When he would claim to never see anything before, <laughs> yet it had happened two weeks ago. 
JR saw and called Ron Simmons kicking out of the very same fucking splash in Ron Simmons' uh, title win. And it's just stuff like that that drives me nuts. Does anybody have any uh, little... Do you have any idea how much fucking wrestling Jim Ross is probably seeing? <laughs> I don't care. He has, he has forgotten. He's telling a story. He's forgotten more wrestling than you'll ever see, my friend. If he, it's just like trying to bullshit the audience, and that always bothers me, man. It doesn't annoy me as much as Jim Ross bringing up their fucking Division Three <laughs> fish-warming linebacker career every goddamn match. Hey, you gotta bring up the the the, the shoot stuff with the work stuff. <laughs> so speaking of hurting people. Let's talk about the infamous match, November 7th, 1992. Jake's rubbing his hands together like a diabolical James Bond villain. When Vader would face Joe Thurman and T.A. McCoy, this is the match where Vader allegedly broke the back of Joe Thurman. Vader is rough in this match, but he's making his comeback, all right? They're putting him against two men. But it's normal th- roughing for him. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to show how badass Vader is. So, of course, he's going to rough up two 90s job guys. They know why they're there. So, Vader hits Thurman with a choke slam and a powerbomb. And on both, Thurman lands, taking the impact on his neck and shoulders. Neither look that hard to me. But in this spot, who's responsible for the landing, just as a wrestler? I have some information specifically. We can ask in general terms, or we can get in specifics I mean, about Joe Thurman. Like, like, okay, just from the uneducated, maybe kind of no, not in the know like Jake, but just uneducated. When you take a powerbomb, who's responsible got- to take the powerbomb? Well, I mean, I will always take responsibility. For every bump that I take, and I will make sure that I know exactly where I'm going to be in all moments in time. Now, I have been in there with some guys that have said that their favorite wrestler is Psycho Sid and uh, Big Van Vader, (laughs) and they have not taken care of me, And even though I have tried my best to take my own bump. Now, if you want to get in specifically about the case of Joe Thurman, I will open my legal documents. And eyewitness accounts from one, uh, Mr. Number One, George South. Oh, boy. Who was there on this this occasion. Also a well-known jobber himself, enhancement talent, so he can speak to uh, the situation of Joe Thurman. Now, this is a time where they just need a different face. You know, a lot of these job guys, like sometimes they they would be pulling guys from gas stations and on the way to the show. I mean that's legendary. A nightly thing. It could be a hundred bucks. Could yeah. be a couple hundred bucks. Get squashed by Vader. Yeah, a hundred bucks. Just take a couple bumps. You know how to do this. It's a lot of like indie guys that just knew how to take a couple bumps. Guys that trained with George and Italian Stallion. You know guys like that. And for the most part, things would come out okay. And also too, like you, you, it was pretty high that you know. If you're a job guy, you'd wrestle like a Dr. Death or a Road Warriors or a Big Van Vader. And, you know, those guys knew what they were going to do and they didn't want to hurt anybody. Right. You know, Dr. Death, just as big as Big Van Vader. And he'd wrestle job guys and do what you need to do, get in. Thank you very much for the match. Whatever. Yeah. Vader uh, more or less saw those guys as just meat he could just destroy. But to make matters worse, to... To Vader's credit, in this sense, George describes Joe Thurman as somebody who had something off about them, 
Like he just looked like a guy that shouldn't have been there wrestling. Like he just, it, it didn't seem right. He just that wasn't he, experienced. He didn't just wasn't experienced enough. He probably shouldn't have been in this situation. And as George already described, you always avoided Vader. He was always the one guy. Like if you saw your name on the booking sheet with Vader, you're like, oh. yeah, so many people said. But at the same time, too, like you never did that with Doctor Death. You never did that with the Real Warriors, Steiner Brothers. After they came back from the WWF, <laughs> they were fine. But you know, they they would always be those guys. But definitely, Vader was the guy. Like I don't know how this is gonna turn out. <laughs> yeah, I, should I, I quit before? Yeah, and then you put in a guy that really didn't know what he was doing at the same sense so it's both parties are at fault in this matter one thing that that sticks out from this situation is the conversation that harley race had with vader after this all happened so apparently from what i've heard when this happened they had to take the ropes off and they had to have to stop taping and that's like a big deal because that's like money and apparently in the back vader was crying and when i say crying i'm using quotation marks and bob cook confirmed the crying episode okay i've heard a couple other people talk about him crying but making it more of a show like oh i am remorseful that i hurt somebody but really in fact that's i'm like not some, some conspiracy theory shit though yeah objection right. objection yeah. right i i've heard some other instances where leon is putting on a show a lot of times and it kind of jives and, and most people saw it as he was crying to the point that Harley Race walked up to him and said what are you crying for he goes you're just going to hurt somebody next week and you're not going to get crap about them that's a bold statement it's Harley Race and he goes, what are you going to no. do and he goes "He goes, you're just going to do the next guy so what you know, quit your fake crying and then Harley Race even made the comment and I believe this is this might be, you know, summarized. It's not a direct quote, but I believe the words that Harley Race said to Leon after he yelled at him was, um, I'm going to try and say it in my best Harley Race voice. Leon, I love you, but if you did that to me, I'd kill you. <laughs> I don't care if you would take me 10 years or not, but I would come back and kill you. Harley would. Harley's talking about like a long episodic journey where like there's montages of him planning how to do it. I don't care. He's like in a weight room working out and is just ready to murder him 10 years later. I don't care if he would take me (laughs) six months, a year, 10 years. I'd kill you. On Vader's shoot, he said he felt awful about everything. He even went to the hospital with Joe to like kind of support him. Jake is pulling up for the biggest sigh in the universe. Jake Fanning's eyes just rolled out of his head. All right. All right. Fucking Christ. But he, he claims that he was standing up. Yeah, yeah. He's talking up. to him. And doing a couple somersaults. And from all my Googling, Joe ended up fine. Joe is a... Uh, well, this, uh, this is based on eight years of shoot interview word, but he was apparently still might be a police officer in Georgia. So is this an accident or Vader being a bully because Vader breaks jobbers back is the most clickbait title ever. I feel like Vader already didn't care for people's well-being after his match. All he cared about was getting over and looking vicious and beating the crap out of people. This guy 
didn't know how to bump properly and protect himself. Okay. So it was a perfect storm. The one thing I give give Vader credit for, after he hits the power bomb, he doesn't put any of his weight yeah, on immediately him. immediately covers him. They talk about it like he's talking shit to him, but he knows he's hurt and he doesn't put weight on him. So he knows he's hurt, but it's still that thing of like, if you knew the first one was bad, why'd you go forward with the second one so hard? <laughs> Jake gave me a good head nod on mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and then you go to the back and cry. <laughs> Moving forward from this blatant slander, December 30th, 1992, Vader beat Ron Simmons for the WCW title, again at a house show, which, uh, ah, whatever. From there, he'd pick up his feud with Sting, and this is when we get the motherfucking White Castle Fear promo. Oh my god, their it's the best thing match. ever. It's the best thing ever. This promo is a, a mix of something Adult Swim airs at 4 a.m. and <laughs> and, and a 90s porno with no nudity or sex. Like, so, so Sting rolls up like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park <laughs> asking, where's the White Castle of Fear? I'm, I said that 10 times more dramatic than him. This is Sting saying it. Where's the White Castle of Fear? <laughs> And we finally learned that the White Castle of Fear refers to the snowy peaks of the Rocky Mountains, where Vader is known and has created a lair with a bulldozer into the side of a mountain. (laughs) How did he create this? I don't know. We enter the lair. There are sexy women of all races in black. There's food. There's fruit. There's goblets of wine. Sting enters. They all... Sting! It's Sting! Play the game, Sting! Play this game! Finally, they pull him in like they're gonna love him and then dissect him. Vader finally walks in like the worst Desi Arnaz performance uh, and says, Who's the man? (laughs) He just screams that because that's uh, a nice thing to do when you enter your home. Eventually, it turns into the eye-patched midget saying, play the game, play the game, play the game. Eventually, they do a tug-of-war over a flame. They both get extreme close-ups as they grunt and growl and... I, of all, like, the wrestle crap, this this might be top five. It, it is beautiful. It is the White Castle... I think it's Daily Motion. I don't even think YouTube has this, but... Wow, it is amazing. This was all to set up a strap match at Super Brawl 3, which is a fucking awesome match. It is so good. It's just uh, another great match between Vader and Sting. So I would check that out as well. And Vader won the match. In uh, March of 93, on an overseas tour, Vader lost the WCW Championship to Sting just to win it back six days later. Is this another case of America Company thinking no one's going to find out about this shit? Maybe, but also, too, it's to probably pop business over there. Right, right. It is like, you know, let you guys know that you guys are important and we're going to give you a title switch. And they would probably acknowledge it over there, but also in the sense of like, you know, like, hey, you guys are important. And when we come over here, history could happen. So make sure you buy tickets the next time Uh, we come back, especially at this moment in time in the business. Bruce Pritchard was just talking about roughly this era of live events in general. WWF's business was down, uh, Ringling Brothers, concerts, like everything in the States was down. But in wow. overseas, 
business was good. So obviously, if you want to go over there and kind of pop the territory, you switch the belt, you switch it back. It's kind of an old trick that they would do um, when they would go to New Zealand and Australia. That's why Harley Race, like it's disputed how many times he's held the NWA title because I believe Jim, Jim Barnett was promoting over there and the idea of I think it was Jim Barnett or somebody it was somebody else I might have that, that that confused but they would do a title switch over there to pop the the territory or over there to help their business like hey when the champ comes over you could see history in the making so make sure you always buy a ticket to every show we do here because you might see history happen it's because uh, it's not even like the next run it's like if you have a title change at the very beginning of the run then they know that Hey, word will travel, and you uh, might sell tickets for the back. rest yeah, of the yeah, run, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, because because that's what happened. But the, it was at the beginning, and then they switched it back at the end, so that on TV, nothing, no one was the wiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes perfect sense. You pop it for the next run, but then you also pop it during the run for people like, hey, shit, it's happening. Later in '93, Vader would start a feud with Cactus Jack. Who thought this would be a good idea? Hey, hey, you know, Foley has a death wish. Well, we found a genie. Because <laughs> Will Smith is still uh, on television as as a lovable person in a sitcom. Oh, that blue fucking genie. <laughs> so uh, on April 17th, 1993, Vader would leave Foley in a whole heap of blood. Uh, if you watch this match, you'll notice Vader isn't wearing his usual Vader gloves. So Mick wanted Vader to legit puff his eyes and cut him up. So Vader mm. legit puffed his eyes and cut him up. Vader was like, I was, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean uh, you go mean- according to plan? Okay. <laughs> Although Cactus wins by a count out, he would need 24 stitches. He would suffer a broken nose, dislocated jaw, and a concussion, or as McFoley calls it, Christmas morning. I mean, yeah, please find this on YouTube. It is so fucking brutal. The the moment when exclusive unedited footage from Mick's personal library pops up, you know you're in the mood for something scary. <laughs> the next week's no better for Foley as Vader would powerbomb Mick onto a concrete floor, putting him out of action for quite a while. Backing up a little bit, you want to hear a good story about the Vader gloves? Yes, oh. please. <laughs> and it's roughly about this time of WCW and, and like, Vader's time in Japan. So I don't know where else will fit it in. You mentioned him without the Vader gloves being very dangerous. Mm -hmm. This this is a good time for this story. There is a tour of Japan. It might have been during this time at WCW. It might have been the time when he was exclusively over there. And Matt Bourne and Italian Stallion were, were over there. And, you know, Stallion was over there. He was always a really good amateur athlete. And Matt Bourne was always very much a needler in the sense that, like, he get people wound up and get them in fights and he just sits back and watch. So Dick. Yeah. That's why he was doing the clown. Um, But anyways, Stallion had a good amateur background and Matt Bourne knew that. And he knew Leon. It was all a gimmick. So Matt Bourne kind of got the two riled up and got them to wrestle around before one of the shows and you know Matt Bourne was saying stuff like I bet Stallion can can take you down Vader I bet Stallion can take you down Vader 
And then finally, they like, you know, Vader's like, let's go. And then they, they wrestled, and fucking Stallion took him down immediately. <laughs> like, <laughs> immediately. And then, like, Vader kept coming, and get, and Stallion kept taking him down. Kept taking him down. Work over on your defensive wrestling, Vader. Over, over and over again. And then, like, he got, uh... <laughs> He got over over on top of him again. They're like, all right, let him up, let him up. And then as soon as like Stallion like got off of him, Vader came up like like a big bear, and then he started like punching fucking lockers and shit and got all fucking mad. I destroy inanimate objects. Yeah, he just like he like threw a big fit about it. And then later on that night at the bar, Matt Bourne was like fucking needle invader again like ah stallion took you down pretty good yeah yeah like he's just trying to cause a fight in this bar and then all of a sudden vader just kind of stopped he goes yeah i did but would have been a different story if i would have had my vader gloves on (laughs) why (laughs) that's i don't know i don't know why a fucking grown man would say that oh no no no. you took me down in an amateur fight but it would have been a different story if i had my (laughs) vader gloves on this makes total sense i'm gonna say two words it's gonna make total sense ready air jordans (laughs) (laughs) um but but even to finish the story fast forward years later wwf superstars taping on the sheet, it was listed for Stallion to take on Vader and the WWE Superstars taping. <laughs> and Stallion goes to George, he goes, watch, Vader's going to get that changed. <laughs> Three minutes before they roll tape, they change it. And Vader goes over to Stallion and he goes, yeah, they changed it because, you know, you're a bigger guy and I'm a bigger guy. They want me to, like, beat up a smaller guy. That's why we're not going to rest. That's what looks better. Yeah. Since we're around this territory, I want to talk about... um. Watching these matches, I saw Vader do the choke slam a lot. It was never called the choke slam, but he clearly grabs his throat and slams him down. And it's like Vader is not at the forefront of the choke slam innovation shit. I don't know if you guys looked at anything, but um, if you look it up, uh, basically Heyman is credited with it for giving it to 911 and ECW, but he didn't do that shit till 94. Akira Tao, I don't know if his, I'm saying his last name right, uh, who was uh, All Japan Beast. He was doing the shit, so he might be ahead of it. Do you guys remember when Undertaker started doing the choke slam? That was like I feel like it was late nineties. Yeah, after I mean the that one. Yeah, it was past the tombstone. Yeah, tombstone adding to his repertoire. right. So I mean, I think Vader. When we talk about the choke slam, he should be at least the innovator or considered for it. Which president is credited with inventing the choke slam? President, I said that correctly. Abraham Lincoln? Yes! Boom! Oh, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to say, we all know that a- old Abe was a wrestler, and there's many biographies where Abe has been talked about. I got some disputing reports, but uh, there, I think there was one where he got mad at his opponent who had been cheating or whatever, and Abe grabbed him by the throat, pulled him off the ground, shook him, and then slammed him to the ground. <laughs> So, old Honest Abe, uh, the inventor of the choke slam, maybe number two, oh, Vader. That means the Gettysburg Address is technically a shoot interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, back at WCW, next Vader would feud with fresh off the boat from WWF, Davy Boy Smith. They would professional wrestle each other at 93 Slamboree for the title. And Davey does a lot of cool shit in this match. Oh my god, he does. He, uh, <laughs> he does a delay vertical suplex on Vader, which is 
nuts. It's nuts. Um, he lifts Vader on his shoulders from the mat. Like, the so basically elect- squats from the mat. It's the Vader. electric chair spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. He also catches Vader in the corner. Like, it's nothing. Like, no big deal. Just catches him. And Vader loses this match by DQ when Davy Boy hits him with a chair. So, obviously, Vader keeps the title. It is pretty physically really like, like that's like I feel like Davy's first shot at the main event and he he did it he like he held his it own. was impressive so while still champion Vader teamed up with Sid Vicious calling themselves the masters of the Powerball which if you can go on YouTube find the actual press conference for the <laughs> announcement of the tag team which includes confetti and people in the crowd <laughs> with signs and cheering it's fucking stupid. <laughs> Sid and Vader would face Davey and his partner Sting at Beach Blast in July. Who would you rather have as a tag team partner, Dynamite Kid or Sting? Mm. Tagging with Davey Boy Smith. In a dark alley or on pay-per-view? <laughs> yeah, both. Obviously Dynamite in the dark alley. Yeah, obviously Dynamite in the dark alley. Yeah, in pay-per-view would be Sting. That's how I'd do it. Okay. For Beach Blast, they also made a little movie promo for this, oh and I am a worse person now for having this enter my brain. <laughs> it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my fucking life. All right, so I patch Midget is back. Pro wrestling is the last realm of where saying Midget is okay, so you calm down out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Davy Boy and Sting are playing volleyball with a bunch of kids on the beach because, you know, that's how that happens. Colonel Parker, Sid, um, Vader, they all drive up in a speedboat that, it, that they rented but didn't give the down payment on. They come up, the, the eye patch midget comes in with a shark fin on his back. He's swimming in. We got the Jaws music. And then he scares some kids and they go, and they run off. And then little midget man runs over and plants a bomb. Yes, a <laughs> thing that can kill people on a speedboat. And then the little kids run off and they tell Sting and Davy about what they just saw with the little shark midget man. And then Sting and Davy are really confused, like, oh, we better go check that out. They get to the boat in time to realize that it's going to blow up and kill them. So they jump off the boat just in time for the worst CGI bullshit since Ed Wood or Yui Bold created anything. And then there's a moment of dramatic silence because they're in the water and we don't know if Sting and Davy Boy are alive we see shots of little kids with tears running down their face we see everyone trying to deal with the fact that two of their favorite pro wrestlers might been brutally blown up and then all of a sudden Davy Boy and Sting jump out of the water and they're alive but yeah the match is pretty good I think I thought the match was cool because it was like so '90s wrestling. It yeah. was Davy Boy with the dreads. It's Vader who was you know such a big deal in WCW. It's '90s Sting. It, it's Sid who looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's so just good. it was real cool. It's fun. I don't like the ending of this match though because uh, Vader hits Davy with a 450 pound moonsault. And then, like ten seconds later, he's rolling up Vader with a crucifix for the win. I just think guys from this era didn't care about selling, and they just wanted to get their spots in. (laughs) It's true. Just before 93's Halloween Havoc, Cactus Jack would come back, and someone in the back was like, hey, remember when he almost died? Let's finish that. Vader would face Cactus Jack at Halloween Havoc in a Texas death match. Spin the wheel, make the deal. 
this match is brutal for a Mick Foley match. Like it is nuts. Um, the the rumor around this match is that Mick hated where he was in WCW and in pro wrestling, and Mick wanted to take a spot so brutal that it would legit end his career, so that he could collect on his insurance policy. And Vader was like, "All right." <laughs> I've done it once. I'll do it again. <laughs> Yet again. I've done that anyway. But, I mean, but, the spot, which is just brutal as shit. Cactus used to have this spot when he worked with Vader where he'd get on his back and try to work for a rear naked choke sleeper type thing. They're on the ramp, which if you remember in the early WC, or early 90s WCW days, that it was there was no give. It was a hard wooden ramp. And so Cactus gets on Vader's back. And with all of Vader's might and his 450-pound megaton weight, he throws himself back in the fucking thud of Cactus smacking into the ramp and Vader crashing down onto him is just sickening. It really makes you have that moment where being a wrestling fan, like, oh, shit, he's dead. Like, it, it, it's really concerning. <laughs> Vader eventually wins this match when Harley Race stuns Cactus Jack with a fucking taser. so stupid. And uh, that keeps him down for the 10 count. After that, Vader would win 93's Battle Bowl Battle Royal, which is now its own pay-per-view at this point. Watch out, Royal Rumble. Then we get to 93's Starcade, where Vader was originally scheduled to face Sid Vicious after the Masters of the Powerbomb split up. And that is where we will pick up Vader... Part two. So, anything before we get out? Nope. <laughs> God damn it. Nope. Um, uh, stay tuned for the next episode when I do my closing arguments. A case against Leon White. Notice he didn't say final thoughts. I want to point closing that out. Closing argument. So, if you enjoyed this episode, head over to Patreon where you can support our show. Patreon.com slash Pod. You can also support us for free by leaving us a review or rating wherever you're listening. We're Tim Bell Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. TimBellPod.com. Shout out to Six Squirrel Studios for helping us on the tech side of things. You can find Jake at Man Scout Manning on all the social medias. You go over there. You tell him he's wrong. Micah is JTrotter27 on Twitter. I am Nicolessa on all the social medias. This is Tim Bell Pod. Now, please enjoy this Patreon plug that I'm going to edit in here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to 10 Bell Pod. This is the Man Scout, Jake Manning, letting you know if you really want to support the pod, why don't you support us on Patreon? And it's very simple to do. Just log on to patreon.com forward slash and or backslash. Uh, we don't know how slashes work. Uh, we live in a digital age and you can just Google everything. And actually, you know, what? while you're all in there Googling 10 Bell Pod on Patreon, why don't you Google what's the difference between a backslash and a front slash? So while you're there and you figure that mess out, make sure you log on to patreon.com forward slash and or backslash 10 Bell Pod.